We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 Arnold Palmer Invitational Picks Research Preview. First looks, we'll even guess the odds at some point towards the end of the show. As always, hit the description, find the time codes to jump to where you want to jump to. But I do want to let you know the best tournament on DraftKings is now even bigger for this week. Amping it up for the Players' Championship in a week time. We have the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. The link is in the description. Three max entry. $15 to play. No rake, thus making it the best tournament on DraftKings. Smash a like, sub to the channel, and in the description, give me your favorite long shot first lean. The guy that comes to your head be like, hey, that guy is going to be undervalued this week. He's going to be cheap. Let me use that guy. I want to know who that is. We're trying to try to walk through everything going through and try to see who the best player fits are. That when we go down the board, who can we take? When I think about the Honda Classic this week, I really should have stuck with my first in- instinct when I guessed the odds a week ago when I thought that Daniel Berger should be the favorite and would be the favorite. And then when he wasn't the favorite, decided not to bet him like an absolute idiot. So... I guess I'm filming this before the conclusion of the final round, but he currently has a five-stroke league. We'll see if he can hold on to it. Justin Ray had pointed out that 76% of PGA players who hold a five-stroke or more lead going into the final round of an event convert at 76% of the time. So he has a three and four chance, at least historically, of coming through here. And it was just stupid not to go through. I got thrown off by the back injury, and then I lost two points, and then I felt like it was too late. Reminder, if you think that someone is going to win a tournament, Take that player. Seems easy enough in an outright betting market. The rest of the top end picks, terrible. The back end picks, really good. Uh, It was the opposite of a week ago when I had really good high end picks at Riviera and really terrible like 6K and low 7Ks. It was the opposite this time around. Good 6K, good low 7s, terrible at the top of the board. You know, eventually one of these weeks, I'm going to mesh both together and 
Hopefully I can get pretty lucky on that end. Anyway, let's talk about the Arnold Palmer Invitation. My walkthrough this week is going to be with FantasyNational.com with the simulator, the lineup generator, the ownership projections, but mainly the stat database where I can look up everything that I want. If you want to do the same thing, if you go to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo, you will get 20% off. So I highly recommend that you go do that. The newsletter is also free. That link is down in the description as well. Or if you go to Substack.com, search Mayo Media, you can go sub to the newsletter on there. I'll have more detailed research with screenshots and explanations, everything like that to get you ready to begin your research for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Let's jump over to FantasyNational.com right now and see what we got cooking up with the field this week. It is... Pretty strong, to tell you the truth, versus what we had seen last year. Now, last year, the schedule got rejigged a little bit, so it was sandwiched in between the Players' Championship, and on the other side, we had a WGC. It was at Concession, which was also in Florida, that a lot of the top-end players ended up going to, and Riviera. So the field was super weak a year ago. Bryson ended up winning at minus 11. We saw a resurgence of Spieth in that tournament. That's one where Justin Rose also had the WD. I think that was it, at least. Lee Westwood challenged down the stretch for a victory. But Bryson is back this year for the first time since when the hell did he play last whenever it was he went and tried to he went and tried and played in Saudi but that didn't end up working out too well he's been dealing with injuries for the past two months he says he's going to give it a go here so he is back to defend his title John Rahm is playing Rory Sungjae Casey Scheffler Zalatoris Hovland Scott Leishman another former winner Hideki Matsuyama is in the field, and then you have a bunch of European players, and uh, when you start searching through either PGA stats or on Fantasy National, a lot of these guys are going to come up short in terms of what we're looking for in terms of strokes gained or course history, because a lot of them have just been playing on the DP World Tour, and a lot of their numbers are going to be drawn from a while ago, so that could either benefit them greatly or really detract if they've been playing a lot better in Europe. Those are not going to show up in the modeling numbers, so pay attention to that, and you know, just have an eye out on some of these European and international guys. So we got Hatton, who won two years ago, is making his first USA start this year. He's actually been pretty good. Uh, he played in the Middle East, all three of those events, T6, T4, and T28, through January and February. So he comes in in pretty good form. Uh, he's down to the number 23-ranked player in the world. When he teed off at this tournament last year, he was the number 4 player in the world. So the past 12 months, not been the greatest for old Terrell, but... We cashed him here two years ago when it was just a complete shit show in terms of the weather. He won at minus four, the only single-digit winner in, I think, the past ten years at this event. It was, like, the hardest weekend. Only Matthew Fitzpatrick actually broke 70 on the weekend of any of the players in the field. So that year is not going to be super instructive on what we should be looking for. The right type of guys ended up near the top of the leaderboard. It was just incredibly more difficult than it would be in a regular year. So you got Hatton, Peters. Sergio Rose, Matt Wallace, who has an immaculate track record at this course over the past three years, although the recent form, not so hot for old Matty Wallace. Bezadenhout, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Poulter, Aaron Rye, Fleetwood, Willett, Westwood, Takumi Kanata, Lucas Herbert, Min, Woo! Lee, Garrett Higo, Henrik Stenson, and Nikolai Hogard are all in the field this week. We also have the world or the U.S. amateur champion. He's in the field, in case you were wondering who James Piot. And that's, that's the way that I'm going to pronounce that one. Piot? 
He's in the field here as well. So it's pretty strong. It's only 120 players, though. So it's like the Genesis a few weeks ago where uh, you're just going to have a higher percentage of players making the cut. So a higher six of six percentage. Theoretically, there's still a ton of water at this course. So blowups can happen. But historically, it's not as random as both the Honda Classic or the Players Championship. We see the same guys kind of perform here year after year. So let's take a look at the course and check out the past course conditions. Obviously, it's Bermuda grass green. Scoring tends to be difficult versus your average tour event anyway, although that 2020 year was incredibly difficult. That's the Hatton minus four year that I was talking about. We had some pretty terrible wins that year, but last year we saw one, the final round was super windy, but we had a calm day. So I put a link, I'll have a link in both my column and the newsletter this week to the wind tower. Looking at it right now, and obviously a lot can change going from Sunday to a Thursday when you're trying to project out Saturday weather. But uh, it looks like we might get guests up to 30 miles per hour when the leaders hit the course on Saturday. Now that could change to Friday or Sunday or just be overnight by the time that we do our final check-in on either Thursday morning or Wednesday evening. That's something to be cognizant of coming in to the event right now. And that just might mean that if you're playing weekend golf or if you're trying to catch some of the leaders and trying to find someone to play catch-up, if the leaders do experience a heavier wind gust than the guys in the morning, maybe that's time to get on a long shot or something like that. We've seen some pretty big comebacks at this course in the past four years Molinari stormed back from six down three years ago when he ended up winning and when Rory ended up winning he I think he was eight back to start the day uh, finished at minus 18 had one of the best putting rounds of all time that Sunday at Bay Hill Bryson held on to his lead uh, although Westwood did chase him down at one point uh, Bryson ended up coming back and storming the court and taking it this was the course where he tried to drive the power five last year, which actually put him into a terrible scenario because he kept leaving himself too short and the pin location was right over the bunker on number six. You can see number six right here. Uh, you know, that's the one that goes around. Like it plays 555, but it actually plays longer than that because there's a giant lake in the middle of the hole. It's the one that looks like an L when you look at it on Shot Tracker of how most of the field tries to play. You can see a very low eagle rate, 1.4%, although that is the second highest on the course. Number 16, if you're going to make eagle, is where you're going to do it. You can reach it in two, almost a 5% eagle rate from the field, 52% eagle or birdie rate. So birdie or better, almost 55%. So I, I broke this down last week a little bit, and I'm trying to get used to the new single hole opportunities on prize picks. You can find this down in the description as well, the link to go join. But if you deposit 100 bucks and use code MMN at prizepicks.com, you'll get a deposit match of up to $100. And they have single hole stuff. So if you want like immediate action, you can get on it. So if you see hole 16 is out there, uh, that is the one to go target this week for they'll probably offer over under four and a halfs like they were doing at number 18 this week at the Honda Classic. And as we looked at it last week, you know, the field only made birdie or better like 37% of the time on hole number 18. Whereas on hole number 16 this week, uh, they make it at what is it 57% of the time birdie or better go below that four and a half number. So that would be a clear under spot, especially for some of the longer hitters in the field. Uh, versus this week where the over was the move on number 18. So always consulting these numbers when breaking down like single, hole, that type of thing uh, going into the week is kind of huge. So we'll see if we just sort by rank here. The par threes at this course are deadly. 
try to break it down. There we go. So the par threes, we have three par threes. The shortest one is 199 yards, and we're probably going to see that play a little bit longer as we've got a few more yarded, yards tacked onto the scorecard this year than previous years, up around 40. So 7,466 yards, one of the longer ones, par 72. And I do think that, like Riviera, it plays a little bit longer than what it says on the scorecard. So when we go down, we're going to see like the approaches. Uh, approach means so much here versus uh, especially around the green. Like off the tee means a ton. Obviously putting means a ton. But uh, when we look at the top five and we look at the winners, approach means around three to five times as much depending on the year than around the green does. Uh, off the tee is around you know half of what approach is worth. So you still need to be a very good driver of the ball, but this is where, especially your long approaches are really going to dictate everything. Cause we look at the distribution, we have those four par threes that are 200 or plus. So those approach shots are going to be huge. Uh, then you see the average shot distribution. This is really not similar to many other courses on the PGA tour plus 200 yard approaches, almost 30% of approaches come from that range. That is a huge outlier amongst many courses. So you better believe we're going to really weight that heavily when it comes to the modeling, the historic cut lines, three over, four over, two over, two over, four over. Then we had some easier years, one over, minus one, uh, three over. We're, we're generally in the two to four range most years though, especially in, and this is, I mean, the last three years, I think is the top 65 in ties. So you've seen the numbers bounce back up a little because fewer people end up making the cut than the years that it was top 70 in ties. Driving accuracy is higher at this course than it is at most courses on the PGA tour, but the driving distance is way down because there are forced layups at some of these spots where you really don't want to get too deep down into the fairway. That's another contributor to the longer approach shots that you see. Even the average green regulation proximity to the hole longer than you see by almost two feet than the average course so we take a look back at last year's tournament obviously like i mentioned bryson ended up winning at minus 11 the year before that we had the hatton year that was minus four molinari minus 12 rory mcelroy comes in at minus 18 with that amazing putting round that i talked about uh, he also played really well that week, too. Then you had Mark Leishman, minus 11, the year that I had all the money on Kisner, and Kisner gagged it on the back nine on the final day. That was fun to lose to Leishman. Day, minus 17. Then, you know, this used to be the Matt Every Open. He won in 2005 and 2015, 2014, minus 19, minus 13. Then Tiger in 2013. Both Day and Leishman have won this event and at Torrey Pines over the course of the last six years as well. So Riviera, Torrey Pines, Augusta National, Bay Hill. Uh, these are all longer par 72s, a lot of long approaches, a lot of similar skill sets go into it. This one with the harder shots on your approaches, but some of the easier shots in other places. You can see Corey Connors ended up coming in 30 year ago, Putnam, Bezadenhout. Bezadenhout's never finished outside the top 20 of this tournament uh, in any of his two starts. Then looking back at it, Bryson, Bezadenhout, Kokrak, Chris Kirk, Fitzpatrick, Rory, Hatton, Sungjae, Matt Wallace, and Max Homa have all finished inside the top 25 in each of their past two starts at Bay Hill. Uh, Scotty Scheffler and Will Zalatoris made their debuts uh, in one last year, one the year before, both finished inside the top 15 at this tournament. And that's, I mean, that's no different than what we saw at Riviera and Torrey Pines. Like, there's a reason that we like Zalatoris and Scotty Scheffler at those events, and nothing's really going to change from that end. You can see Hideki has made the cut every single year of the past five. So has Rory. Fitzpatrick has only 
missed it once, but he has three consecutive top tens at this event. I mean, this is really a Matthew Fitzpatrick jam. It's driving doesn't mean the ton, but accuracy means more than distance. Long irons and putting mean a ton, especially on these really fast greens. We'll search the fast greens uh, not too long here and try to figure out if there's anyone up there. If we take a look at the... Strokes gain totally. You see Lahiri and Siwoo not doing well along with Cameron Champ over the past five years. But it's Rory, Bryson. That's Bryson in only four starts as well. As you can see, first, fourth, 46th, and second in four career starts at the Arnold Palmer Invitational for Bryson DeChambeau. He reads these greens incredibly well. So even though his putting has not been sterling to begin 2022, this could be a spot where he gets it back on track. Three top tens and a win for Leishman over that time period. Talked about Fitzpatrick. Hatton has made the cut each of the past five years as well with a T4 and a win in a T21 and a T29 mixed in the bunch. Sungjae coming off a missed cut, has two third-place finishes in a T21 and three starts. And if we take a closer look into Sungjae, uh, he was playing really well. I mean, forget that he came inside the top five. He had an eagle putt to join that playoff at Torrey Pines. And then it's kind of been downhill. 33, 33rd at the Genesis, but you can see the putting is back, doing pretty well. Did not drive the ball all that well at Genesis, and he missed the cut like a lot of guys did at the Honda Classic. It's going to be tough to glean too much from the Honda Classic stats because the way that I would kind of think of it, like I saw that Louie going into the final round was like minus five in terms of strokes gained approach. It's just some of the misses that lead to really detrimental strokes gained approach scores at PGA National just aren't that bad at any other course. Like, consider number six at PGA National. Very difficult hole. You overcook the draw by a yard, and you're in the water. And then it's like minus 1.2 or whatever it might be, depending on where your ball enters the water on strokes gained approach. At most courses, you're just in the rough, like a yard off the course. Now, you should know that. Obviously, going in, and the pinpoint accuracy of your irons were not dialed in on that day. But there is more margin for error at Bay Hill than there is at PGA National. There's still a ton of water here. It's in play on nine of the holes. There's, uh, what is it, uh, 84 bunkers across the course. Although there's some of the easiest greenside bunkers on the PGA Tour. They typically rate inside the top five in terms of percentage of getting it up and down and sand safe percentage. But the water here, it's not necessarily, I want to say, like an aesthetic thing. Guys are going to find the water but especially on approach shots, it's more just messing with your mind than anything off the tee uh, than we're going to see. It, like The weekend that it got super difficult, there was a ton of balls in the water. But on most years, you're going to see a few, especially on like approach shots on number six, like I talked about on that long par five. You'll see a bunch in the water there off to the left on approach shots. But it's not going to be... Some guys are going to blow up, obviously, but by and large, it's just not the same. Uh, like I said, it has the least amount of random variance uh, of the three main Florida courses. Before we get to Valspar, there's just less water there. But between PGA National, Bay Hill, and TPC Sawgrass, this one tends to be the least random of the bunch and just ejections out of nowhere. But you can see with Sungjae, like, everything's kind of around. Uh, he didn't have his best stuff at the Farmers and still came in sixth. He was eighth at the Century. He was 11th at the American Express. And he was so highly owned this week on DraftKings that we might end up getting a pretty good number on him uh, going through everything. Uh, I mean, depending on what that is, when we try to guess the odds, obviously we're going to see where we think Sungjae comes out. But he's had a lot of success 
at this course over the years. So let's go to tournament history once again, and we'll just take a look at how the leaders did it a year ago. We know that Bryson uh, did it with the off the tee game. Like he is when he contributes to the winner score in the top five scores that we looked at. He is one of the ones that you know did it seven strokes gained off the tee. That's huge. 4.2 on approach. He had a really good year last year. Same as Westwood. Uh, didn't quite drain enough putts. You can see Corey Connors gained almost four. Uh, and these greens are so fast that a lot of guys that putt really well at Augusta National end up putting really well at Bay Hill, too. I know one is bent grass, one is Bermuda grass, but they both qualify for like the lightning speed on the green. So Connor's played really well at both courses. Um, he's not really doing too much right now in terms of his like the ball striking that you would normally expect. You can see like the approach. When was the last time he lost on approach in two consecutive tournaments, which he has coming into this event? Yeah, it's going to take some scrolling. Let's see. Where are we at here? Two in a row. Here we go. Minus 1.1 strokes gained approach to the John Deere in 2018. And then a miscut at the Barbasol in 2018 was the last time that Corey Connors, before the before Phoenix and Genesis, that he lost. And he lost a ton. Uh, listen, 1.5 over two rounds is a lot for Corey Connors. Although he's still driving it okay. The chipping wasn't a disaster at Genesis, putted well in Phoenix. So at least he's getting some of these like positive putting performances for the first time in ages because, you know, you see a sea of red when it comes down to it. This is where he kicked it off last year, like his really good run. Uh, even beforehand, you can see the approaches were not great so far in 2020 before he got to Bay Hill. They were more positive than they were negative and much better than he's been doing this year, but he finally got it going. Then he had this run of, man, he averaged, what is this, like over five strokes gained on approach for his next seven tournaments? And you can see that the results ended up following. So maybe just get the guy on Bermuda, get the guy in these Florida courses, and he maybe he's just not a West Coast player. I mean, some guys aren't West Coast players. Some guys are, for sure, they only perform well on the West Coast. Other guys only perform well on the East Coast. And you can see the putter came along for the Florida swing at the same time, too. So it might be a nice buy-low scenario on Corey Connors. Or he might lose five strokes on approach and be absolute dog shit. So uh, you're really just trying to find the spots where you can buy low on some of these guys. Warinsky. Putnam, uh, Bizadenhout, Kirk, they're all up here. What I did want to take a look at, actually, let's take a look and see if who gained a bunch on approach and didn't finish well. T-Dunks, almost seven strokes on approach, lost almost six. He withdrew from the Honda Classic this week, so keep an eye on him if he ends up qualifying for the field. Hatton, I remember this. Hatton, I think, is we're going to get a really nice number on here. Uh, just he's been out of sight, out of mind, as I mentioned, has not played in the United States, performed pretty well. And even to look at it, I mean, his ball striking and chipping was awesome last year. The dude could not make a putt to save his life. So Tita Green, 10.2 strokes gained Tita Green. Bryson was 12.7 and Westwood was 13.4. So when we take a look at it, he was third up there. Uh, Kokrak is another one, despite coming eighth, couldn't make a putt. Zalatoris couldn't really make any putts last year either. So uh, this is going to be no different than most weeks. It's going to be like Hatton, Zalatoris, Kokrak, maybe Sungjae. No, good. We're building a card of guys who probably aren't going to win already. But uh, all that's going to depend on the numbers and depend on the odds. And I do really want to get a sense of what the weather is going to look like this week too. Let's see. Who else was up there? Just any randoms? Uh, Keegan, Steele. Pat Perez. Pat Perez actually fits a lot of this stuff. It's really odd to see him lose four strokes on the green because the really fast greens are typically where Pat Perez performs a lot better. Uh, Bermuda, not necessarily his best putting surface, or is it? No, no. I, let me 
take that back. That just is something in my mind, considering that I always felt like it was uh, past Palum or on the West Coast that he performed really well. But no, per round, Bermuda is his best putting surface. So this is why you go look at this stuff. And now I'm turning into one of those guys on PGA Tour Live. It's like, ha, Mackenzie Hughes is the Canadian Brooks Kepka when it comes to ball striking. It's like, yeah, not really the case. Let's look into that. We have resources like Fantasy National where we can talk through this stuff and see if we're wrong before we open our stupid mouths. Although I didn't just do that. Uh, that's was the assumption I made. At least I'm trying to correct myself on that one. So we're looking at Pat Perez. The putting has been a lot better. The approach has been a lot better. I don't even know if he ended up playing Honda or not. I don't think that he did. Let's go see here. Honda, Honda, Honda. Let's take a look. See if we got Pat Perez popping up at uh, all. Pat Perez. No, no Pat Perez last week. So maybe we can get some decent numbers on him. It's, it's tough to know, really, um, where he's, he's going to be triple digits for sure. But maybe he can try to turn that around. How has he performed historically here? Not great. T17 in 2017, T50. So four of five, four of three of four made cuts. Missed the cut in the very difficult 2020. Did rebound well last year. But he is performing a lot better right now than he had in previous years let's click back on 2021 and i do want to take a look at the proximity ranges bryson's is going to be somewhat skewed because he kept driving the ball and really getting aggressive but as you can see that over 200 proximity let's see who did the best on those keegan t10 chris kirk t8 laird grio and sungjay uh, 43rd 21st and 21st 57th for Duncan, but we know that was all putting related. Then you have Bryson, Steele. So a lot of the guys who performed really well from that over 200 range ended up doing pretty well. You can see Stewart, the man who takes 38 minutes to hit one approach shot. Uh, he was up there, but missed the cut. Tom Hoagie missed the cut. Shane Lowry missed the cut. Seb Straka missed the cut, but they all performed well there. Let's take a look at the 175 to 200. And you can see another, I mean, maybe this was more of a key one too. Warinsky, Kokrak, Bryson, Bezadenhout. Where the hell is Lee Westwood in all this? I don't know, for the guy who gained so many strokes, proximity total, where is old Westy? How did he do? How did he get up there? Oh, he was really good from in close. So very good from beyond 200 yards, gained on the field. Uh, lost slightly 150 to 175, and then minus 64.4. But the scoring is going to come from those over 200-yard approach shots. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right, without added security. You may as well just give away your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. So that's your computers, your tablets, your phone, even devices like Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you got to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash mayo. 
and use promotional code MAYO, that's M-A-Y-O, and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish, I-P-V-A-N-I-S-H dot com slash MAYO. I think it's time that we get into the stat modeling now and see what I have cooked up. I did want to walk through some. Well, let's change it to the past 36 rounds this time and, and take a look at that before we jump into the stat model. What do we got here? PGA National. Where's old Bay Hill? Bay Hill. All caps for Bay Hill. What did we do in previous years? Strokes gained approach 35, par fives. There's four of them. 5% proximity over 200 yards. 10% opportunities gained 10%. Par fours. 10% putting, 5% strokes gained short game, which is chipping and putting. We have it 5%, 220, 200 to 225, par 3, 10%, and off the tee, 10%. That looks about right. We can always adjust this midweek and see what we end up getting from ourselves here. And hopefully it's uh, we can find some sleepers from the past 36 rounds that do one or two of these things really well. Take a look at the ranks. Rom, Rory, Casey, Scott, Scheffler. Is the top four. Obviously, this is the one that Scott hasn't won. He's won the Honda. He won at Doral when that was in the swing. He's won at Sawgrass in his career. So Bay Hill would just be another Florida course win for Adam Scott. I know Feinberg is most likely to bet him uh, as he has been doing. And I mean, maybe the thing holding Adam Scott back at Riviera was that he was Andercursed for this week. He never overlooked that. Scheffler, Hovland, Hideki, Zalatoris, Hatton, and the Gucci Man. Number 10, Sam Burns coming off of, how has he played? Did he miss the cut at Riviera? He did. He's missed three consecutive cuts now. A lot of it putting related, a lot of it driving related. It's really strange. You take a look at like his last 87 tournaments, a stroke per tournament off the tee. Over his past 10, almost a stroke per tournament. In his past two, minus three, minus two, gain 1.3, minus 0.7, minus 0.4, 0.7. Uh, and you were hoping like the around the green has been great. The approaches have been really bad as well, uh, which is not something that you would normally see before that going in over his past 20, 1.6, over his past 10, getting a stroke per tournament. If he can get that back, the number may have got beaten out of Sam Burns. I don't know if he's going to live in that like Harris English Webb Simpson zone. It's like, hey, here's a guy who's just a lot better than his baseline would give you based on the performances that he's had over the past you know 12 months. But has he been so bad recently that it's turned on him that he's no longer 25, 30 to one? He's 45, 60 to one again. I doubt it. I, I would say probably 35 to one is the number that you're looking at him at, but no, it's not crazy to think that Sam Burns can turn it around. He's also second on par threes from 200 to 225 yards over the past 36 as well. List continues to rate up highly. Hoagie, Leishman. I'll probably like Leishman again this week. Uh, he kind of fizzled on Sunday at Riviera, but you know, he was inside the top five going into that final round so far in 2022. 15th, 16th, 36th, 10th. Uh, it's been a nice run for him. The last time he missed a cut was at the Open Championship last year, so... I mean, the approach has been bang on. His driving has been a lot better. So he'll be popular because he's a former winner at this event. But again, it all depend on what that number is. If I had just went with my gut this week and played Chris Kirk and Spence in more overweight than I already did, then I would have been in much better shape rather than trying to outsmart myself. I should have tried to outsmart myself at the top of the board, not the bottom of the board as we went down because the ownerships just did not match what they were looking like on Wednesday night. Guys got scared off. They went in a different direction that the projections just weren't all that good this week. Uh, I mean, at least my projections were. I'm sure someone's were really good. Mine were not all that good in terms of DraftKings ownership this week. 
Nah continues to be up there. I was on him at Genesis. He missed the cut, screwed me out of a ton of money. Swafford, obviously, he blew up Thursday at the Honda Classic, but did play a lot better on Friday. So, you know, give him the one-round mulligan on that one. Henley, M. Martin Laird continues to be up here. Mav McNeely, no idea how Mav McNeely has played. He ended up, you know, storming the board and just making a nice comeback at Genesis. He continues to make cuts over time. Has he done it? The Arnold Palmer. No, oh, that's because I pressed S. Arnold Palmer. 49th, miscut 46, has never gained off the tee at this tournament, gained on approach for the first time last year. But you can see gaining off the tee is kind of what he does now. So it might be a nice, we're going to look at the history for Mav McNeely, as I just did, and it's not going to be very good. But maybe this is a spot where you know, the off the tee has been really good and really consistent. And you can see this time last year, where was it? Where's Bay Hill last year? Yeah, lost at the players, lost it here, but he was performing really well coming into it as well. So maybe that is a bit, you know, maybe that's a misnomer, uh, or maybe he's just much better off the tee than he used to be. So that's tough to say. Uh, we usually like Mav at courses with shorter, smaller greens where he can, you know, putt, his, putt the lights out. But I don't know. I always figured him more of a shorter course guy. But this Riviera thing has, you know, the wheels turning in my head about how good or bad he might be. Lonto continues to play really well. I think that's going under the radar at the moment. Putnam. We saw a top five from him a year ago, Bezadenhout. I keep losing money on Bezadenhout. Like, he's a good DraftKings play because he makes the cut every single week, and you want him at these hard courses, but it's it's been getting tough for him out there. Evier Perez, there's Perez, 33rd over the past, you know, 12th in approach, 12th in putting, 8th in short game, bad on the long, bad off the tee, bad on the long par threes versus this field, bad in opportunities gain. But once we start digging in a little bit more into the putting splits on either Bermuda, as we saw with him, or just fast greens in general, you're going to see his name pop up. Homa has played this course pretty well. I'm I know he played well. Yeah, he was uh, gaining all across the board. He's really figured out the green complexes at Riviera, obviously, with his win there. But this would kind of go hand-in-hand with some of the other courses that he's done well at. Uh, We'll see how he does on Bermuda. No, he's okay on Bermuda. It's bent that gives him more of the problems on the putting services. Poa, obviously, his best. But off the tee is looking good. The approach is looking good. You know, the chipping is... I mean, the putting has been absolutely lights out, but only one of those is on Bermuda, and that's obviously not Florida Bermuda. That is, you know, Scottsdale Bermuda. Century was also on Bermuda. That's in Hawaii. So let's see how he's done on the Florida swing over the years. WGC Mexico last year was at the concession. He gained, and he gained almost eight strokes at this tournament last year. So, okay, Max Homa. These are the type of, you know, historic long courses. Torrey Pines, uh, the Genesis... Quail Hollow, all courses where he's played really well, so it wouldn't be shocking to see him up here. Cam Young continues playing well. Merritt uh, putts really well on these strong services. Who's bad? Let's let's go see that. If there's any big names that just aren't good. Uh, Min Woo, and that's only in 17 rounds. He has not played all that well since coming over. Reed, no shocker there. Yeah, no one really awesome sticks out as you know really having a tough time with these key numbers over the past little bit. Who are the best? 120 to 125. Kokrak burns Shez. Shez made a little run at Riviera two weeks ago. So keep an eye out on Shez if he can make some putts because he'll be like 6,700 bucks. Peters, Nah, Wolf, Day, Gooch. Man, I don't want to do Day. I know he's won this course before. He's playing better, but just something about me. I can't wrap my mind around why he's doing well again. It's just because I can't stand watching the guy. You know, the putting splits, you know, they're going back up. He's consistently gaining more than he's losing. Last time we saw him at Pebble Beach, maybe back to targeting him on the heels of back-to-back weeks 
I guess he did play the Amex in his first event, then played the Farmers and played really well. And he did play really well. I know he jarred one from the middle of the fairway to tie the lead on Sunday and then ended up giving it back. But it was scary day once again when he was standing over 10-foot putts. It's like, oh, man, he's going to make this. And this sucks because I don't have money on him because I don't want to back Jason Day. Then you can say the driving is bad. The irons have been really bad outside of that week at the Farmers. So that's a saving grace if you want to really talk yourself into fading Jason Day. Um, but he does have the course history here. We'll see, you know, maybe it's only every few weeks that he plays sort of like old school elite day. I'm probably good fading him going through it again. Oh man, I'm most definitely going to be on Hatton. He still pops up here. Keith Mitchell, he got himself, this was a part of the open qualifier series last year or two years ago. And he got himself in like both years, 2019, 2020, a sixth and a fifth. Putted the lights out both those years though. Can't chip at this course. But he was someone, again, who was incredibly popular at the Honda Classic. And I don't, I know he ended up making the cut, but he, obviously he did not finish as highly as everyone would have wanted him to at that price. But you're probably going to see a $1,500 to $2,000 discount on his price at DraftKings this week, just based on this being a much stronger tournament. Higo, there's my guy, Higo. Very good on these long approaches, good driver. He's a good putter. I can talk myself into some Garrick Higo. If we're going to get Higo at like three times the Bezadenhout number because of Bezadenhout's course history, might just have to side with Higo instead. And of course, he's already won on the PGA Tour. So there's that as well. What else did I want to look at? Yes, I wanted to look at the mixed condition model, but I'll turn this off and just go to putting. I've already loaded in some numbers. Did some did some pre-work here before I came in and I wanted to look at, where is it? Lightning and average speed greens. So fast, sorry, fast and lightning. There's only so many tournaments that get held by this standard. When we look at it, let's see here. Who is the best putter on fast or lightning greens? Zach Johnson fits rookie. So just look at some of these names and think about this course. Zach Johnson, I mean, I have no idea how he's played at the Arnold Palmer Invitational over the years. I assume not well because he's not a bomber and he really hasn't been good in four years, but... You know, maybe I'm wrong on that. Arnold Palmer, he makes the cut every year at this tournament, and he gains a bunch of strokes at this tournament every single year on the green. So that actually tracks. Fitz, Rory, Bezadenhout, Bryson, Poulter. Those are all guys that we see pop up there. Adam Scott putts really well on these fast surfaces. Pat Perez, he's 10th. And then you got Billy Ho, Kevin Kisner. You know, Seamus Power is up there. We haven't seen Seamus Power in a few weeks, but you know, his putting, especially on these fast surfaces, has been really good. I'm going to be talking to his caddy, or his former caddy, sorry, who caddied for him at TPC Scottsdale on next week's research show. Uh, so shout out John. He's going to come on the show sometime this week. We'll get it pre-recorded for the beginning of this type of show as we do our walkthrough. So we can kind of lend us to see if Seamus is a... I think I like him more at Scott or at Sawgrass than I do here, just based on his profile. But well, that's an encouraging number to see. Cam Young. If he continues to putt well on these really fast surfaces, he's going to have a really good week. He's having another pretty good week at Honda. Obviously, he played well. He had that low round either on Saturday or Friday at Torrey and ended up storming up the leaderboard, and he was second at Riviera. If he can putt on these surfaces, he's going to be a real threat to do. Not necessarily, he's not as good as Bryson, but the way that he bombs it and has control over it. If he can just play okay with his irons, okay around the greens, he can pull sort of the Bryson game plan, which very few players can do. He's going to bomb it and he's going to putt a ton. Just don't suck at everything else. And you're going to have a pretty good time here. We can see him putting on these really fast greens. It's only, you know, 
20 and nine or uh, it's 19 rounds so far for him on faster lightning greens but he's inside the top 20 he's equating himself pretty well who sucks on these greens that's probably worth noting too not that that's the main reason to fade everyone but you have patty list i mean that's no shocker list is going to be the worst everywhere we're seeing that with svensson this week at pga national poor dude can't buy a putt of the top names, we have Fleetwood does not do well on these surfaces. Peters, Hideki. You'd think Hideki would, but I guess we don't have strokes gain data from the Masters. But fast greens in general is honestly where I thought I would have liked him more. That's not really the case. You see Connors doesn't do well with those either. Maybe those are just fast, not fast and lightning. If we just sorted by lightning, maybe that would be a bit of a different story. So let's keep on these filters. And let's go to Bermuda Greens to see what we got over the past 36. And we can shrink this down to 24, too, to really compress the sample, because Lord knows where we're drawing from. We go back to past 36 and they're like very course-specific type things. We'll see if it's a big switch. Bezadenhout's now the best. Zach Johnson, there's Denny McCarthy. You couldn't keep Denny McCarthy away from the top of a putting leaderboard for too long. Poulter, Reed, Fitzpatrick, the Todd father. Wouldn't hate going back to Todd. I went to him this week in a lot of spots. He rallied to make the cut for me. Wasn't really a great week for him, uh, but he did make the cut. That's nice to see. Kiz, who, you know, it's weird because you'd think Bomber's at this course, but Kisner you know, came in second at this course. Leash is no immaculate driver of the ball. He ended up winning here. We know that Molinari's not a bomber. Hatton's not a bomber. They're more grinders who hit their long irons really well and make some putts. So... If Todd can hit his long irons really well, sort of like Grace, sort of like Kisner, I think that they can play a little bit here. The path is much more difficult. Lonto again pops up here. Number 11 over the past 24. Horschel, Stallings, Cam Young, 14th by this metric. Burns, T. Gala. Now here's one we can kind of get behind. Out of sight, out of mind. With Sahith. How did he do? He made the game. He's making cuts. He's made every cut this year so far, and he's been playing a ton. Finally took a break. Third in Phoenix, 65th at Pebble. 25th at the Farmers, but going into the weekend, he was in one of the final two groups at Genesis. The approach wasn't there, but man, he's putting the lights out. He drives the ball really well. Has he played here? I guess is the question. The Arnold Palmer, no, but you know, long course at the Genesis made the cut. Uh, you know, I, I, does Phoenix have much of a crossover? I would say Phoenix has much more of a crossover with next week at Sawgrass. Just we've seen so many of the same guys do well at those places over the years uh Hideki I mean Hideki hasn't won both but he was the first round leader during the COVID year Webb Simpson has won at both courses it'll make me like Scheffler a lot more next week Brooks hasn't won there who else has won there Brooks has come second and I think Scheffler's come inside the top five at Sawgrass as well Sedgefield is another one where that pops up that's why I always found it really strange that Siwoo has not performed better in Phoenix but that's sort of like a TPC type crossover as well so farmers longer course did well there okay so you know putts well on all surfaces so t gala if people you know he was all last month's news that maybe we can get him at a pretty nice price here ego only 12 rounds but is inside the top 25 casey actually putts well on fast Bermuda greens too uh valspar is probably contributing to that a little bit that's good to see Casey, oh, Pendrith? Pendrith is sort of like, uh, I thought that Pendrith would be better than Cameron Young, uh, probably because I'm Canadian, he's Canadian, and I just wanted that to be the case for him, but it's sort of the opposite. He's sort of like the homeless man's Cameron Young at this point. Uh, we haven't seen much from him in terms of Bermuda, just very much on the nose, but you know, his whole game plan is gain a ton off the tee and try to gain five strokes putting. 
I mean, it's a weird game plan to have, but if he can be okay like he was at Farmers and Pebble around the greens and on the greens, utilize his big driver. He sucked at the Genesis because, you know, he's not the most super consistent player in the world, but we'll see how that goes. We need more of these performances from him right here, like 7.8 off the tee, 4.3 off the tee, gains a bunch of putting, just don't lose five strokes on approach. And I think Pendrith is live from the very bottom end. These aren't winning type bets, although Cam Young, probably a good top five bet, something like that, but... I probably don't want to lay the 200 to one in a field that's so strong at the top. Let's unclick these filters for a second. I completely forget what I loaded in to my mixed condition model. So let's check on it right now to see what has coming up. So I have four things loaded in right now. Past 36 rounds, par threes 200 to 225. So that's locked in there. Strokes game putting past 36 on fast and lightning, the one that we just looked at. That's in there. Strokes gain T to green past 12 rounds at Bay Hill by itself. So not strokes gain total, just T to green past 12 rounds. The players have played at this tournament because we do have the strokes gain data from all that. So I blocked that in. That's what I'm using as course history this week in the mixed condition model. I know I don't do this. I should do this more because I feel like I have more success. When I do this, especially as on deeper plays and sleeper plays, proximity 200 plus past 24 rounds. So uh, there's a few more that I do want to throw into this before you know, we, we run any sort of mixed condition model. One of them is courses over 7,400 yards. So let's take a look at past. We'll go par 72. And we'll take where are we at here over 7,400 yards. We can take a quick scan on this. I might put in from average and difficult conditions, just sort out all the easy courses because, well, it might not play the most difficult. We know that it's probably not going to play easy at the same time as well. So let's go back to strokes gained overall, not just putting and take a look at what we're doing here. So strokes gained total from this range, Rom, Zawa, Taurus, Henley, Rose, Rory, Putnam, Leishman, Reed, Bryson, Liss, Poulter, Who's bad that's down here? I mean, Kirk's not bad, but he is, frankly, pretty surprising to see in the mix with all these, like, very high-end names. Same as Cam Tringali, who I believe is... Was his last start the one where he fucked everyone? I think it is. No, it wasn't. He was good at the Genesis. It was Pebble Beach when everyone used him, and he sucks. And then no one used him at the Genesis, and he was really good. Didn't make any putts, either. How was he done at Bay Hill? The Arnold Palma. He's made each of the past four cuts. Played it for the first time in five years a year ago. And came T31. It doesn't feel like his skill set should really suit this, but if you're not picking him to win, you're picking him to come inside the top 30 as a good DraftKings value, that could be a place to look at. He has been playing these pretty well. Uh, Michael Thompson rebound week? Maybe. I did bet him this week. Uh, did not turn out well. He was pretty chalky. Obviously, puts really well on Bermuda. I don't think that he did this week. He's been putting very poorly overall coming into the week. Uh, so that's now three missed cuts in a row for Michael Thompson. I uh, did come T11 at the Farmers, so oh, I mean, that might just be more of a gut play. Uh, now that no one will use him this week, it could be a spot to look at him. Peters, Aaron Rye once again pops up there. Lahiri, although his course history has got awful. Siwoo, same as him. Willett continues to be up there. Kokrak, Cameron Young. We're just seeing a lot of Cameron Young. Sam Ryder as well. We saw him pop up with the... He's having a pretty good week. If he he was, I think he was seven over on the front nine Thursday at the Honda Classic. And I think he's currently inside the top 20. He really rallied to do pretty well. He's a shorter hitter. We've always liked his ball strike. And that was sort of his like calling card back in the day when he was you know, a very popular $6,300 play. 
but um, putts better on Bermuda than Poa, which we've been seeing. You know, we haven't seen any bent courses so far this season, so maybe that can help him out a little bit. And when the course gets windy, he plays a lot better, and uh, he doesn't do it in super difficult conditions. But his around the green has been better, and you know, three. I think it's going to be three consecutive top. 30s for him he's doing it in weird ways whether it be you know good ball striking week in phoenix good putting week at the genesis maybe he can mesh it all together and sneak as a top 20 something like that if we're looking down the board a little bit straka uh we did mention we went back and looked through the numbers he was the best approach player i believe in the field first or second of all the players who missed the cut a year ago so that's always interesting to go see so these are the best players let's look at t to green on course of the of that are over 7,400 yards, average or difficult past 24 rounds. Rory Rose, Scott, Casey, Zalatoris. Man, I'm going to end up betting Scott, Casey, and Zalatoris this week. Ugh. I don't like that. Woodland's having a good week. I'm going to continue my my Woodland love. Willett is back up there, too. Wish, wish we saw more Hatton on this list, if that's a guy that I really did want to bet. But, yeah. So let's throw this in the mixed condition model. All you do the mixed condition model is... You know, put on the parameters you want down the left-hand side. Uh, you can pick whatever courses you want. Obviously, I have all courses in this mix. And you can see the courses when I turn on the filters that are getting included in this. Uh, Augusta National, Bay Hill, CC of Jackson, Cocoa Beach, Corrales, Crooked Stick, GC. I mean, it's only going to draw certain rounds from places like uh, CC of Jackson, where the Sanderson Farms is. Only because like some of those rounds do play difficult. Most do not, but it'll only draw the average or difficult rounds. I mean, we can take off the average filter and just sort by difficult and see who pops up. I mean, that can't hurt, can it? Rory, Rose, Glover, Sergio, Fowler, Steele. I mean, if it's Fowler up here, curious to see which courses this is drawing from. Farmers, Valero, Arnold Palmer, three of the rounds a year ago. Farmers, Masters, Arnold Palmer, Farmers, Wells Fargo. It's basically every Rory course on the go. No wonder Rory is popping up on this. Uh, Zalatoris, Matt Wallace, all of a sudden, you know, when we just search by difficult, he gets up. I'm going to go average and difficult because I think this will play average to difficult based on, you know, the history of this course and what I'm seeing right now. So when you do the mixed condition model, you just click on this filter, select the stat you want. I want strokes gain T to green and I want, and I'll just label it past 24, 74, 7,400 plus T to green and we'll throw that in it doesn't need to know it knows that it's average and difficult and i can know that from my end too all right let's just take a look at try to weight this properly and click on the mixed condition model to see if anything does pop up for us uh, let's see what we got here well how do we want to weight this we just want to weight everything at 20 percent and see what it gives us why not and you can dig you can separate these in any way you want but now i'm now i'm curious to see how this goes my rank for these five particular stats over time I mean, it does give us a lot of guys. Like, there's Cameron Young, number four. So Bryson, Rory, Zalatoris, Cam Young, Paul Casey, Adam Scott, Hatton, Rom, Hovland, Hideki. There's McNeely. There's Willett. So those two guys, along with Cameron Young, are shaping up to be probably your chalky and better lower-end plays this week. Kokrath, Keith Mitchell, Hoagie pops up again. Bezadenhout, nah. Man, what do we do with Matthew Wolf? It's going to be tough. No one's going to use him. I can tell you that much. He's probably going to be super cheap. This time around, Gucci Man, Higo, Tringali, Burns, Aaron Rye once again, Danny Lee. How has Danny Lee been doing? It feels like I always see him pop up at the leaderboard at some point, but then I look and he's missed the cut. Plays better in windier and moderate wind conditions. Not great at the most difficult courses, though. 21st, the Genesis after four straight missed cuts. Man, he's 
really boomer bust. It's either top end or absolute abject failure. I feel like he was good that one year that it was super. Yeah, the the year that it got really difficult, the the Hatton year, he was T5. He played really well on the weekend. Cannot chip to save his life around this course, but the approach and ball striking has been really good historically. So that's why he's popping up there. I'm guessing is because we're seeing that take all that influence. Where do we see? Yeah, in terms of uh, proximity, very good. And the tee to green from this course has been like, okay, middle of the pack. I know he's 87th. That's not good. Not good for Danny Lee. John Pack is up here. Okay, he has no course history or played at any difficult courses, as you can see by these black spaces on everything. So that's never really a good one. Higo doesn't, same as him, no really long wants to draw tee to green from and nothing from this course. So it's all just long proximity. Putting has not played the par threes overly well. But sometimes I like to search by the mixed condition model to see, especially when we have so many similar options that are going to be priced together. Is there anything that we can do to differentiate between these guys? Take a look at Adam Scott one more time to see how we're doing here i mean the approach has been really good the putting was um, it's funny that he couldn't win that's how good neiman was he couldn't even come inside the top three i guess he couldn't really chip all that much but when your putting and approach is 5.9 and 7.2 you should probably be winning tournaments uh so that's sort of an outlier for him not getting the job done but you can see the over four performances on strokes gain approach have been really good for adam scott recently so that's gonna be it for the walkthrough i suppose we should try to guess the odds of the players coming into the week. I thought that Berger would end up being the favorite last week, but that did not turn out to be the case. I think we're pretty good with saying that Rom is going to be the betting favorite like he's been for every event this year. Still the number one player in the world. Justin Ray put out this week that no number one player has won a tournament since Dustin Johnson won the that weird Masters in November two years ago now. So it's been a while since the world's number one is actually won. When Rom won last year at the U.S. Open, I believe he was the world's number three or number two. He took top spot by winning that tournament. So we have Rom, Rory. Bryson's odds are going to be tough because obviously he's the defending champion, so that's going to get put in. He's Bryson, and he's good, so that's going to get factored in. But people hate Bryson and don't want to bet on him. So that will crush his odds a little bit. He'll be lower than you think that he's going to be by a point or two. Uh, if it was a stronger field, you might be able to catch a 25 or 28. That's not going to be the case in this tournament. But Sungjae is here. Casey. Scheffler. Scott. Vic is going to be pretty highly priced, I would guess. Will Z, Leash, Hideki, Casey, Sungjae. Yeah, so those are the top, like, overall players. Then you're going to have Hatton. Fitz should rate up there based on how well he's played at this tournament over the years. I think of all the guys coming over, Fleetwood. I think those will be the ones that carry the most weight into the betting market. So let's call Rom 8-1. to one. That seems to be like where he is opening up. There's a bit of a weaker feel, but you got Rory here. Rory coming off the top 10. Rory being a former winner. Let's call Rory 12-1. to one. Call Hideki 16-1. to one. I think that's where Bryson's going to come in, too. 16-18. We'll call him 16-18. Now it gets tough. Vic will be 12 or 14, actually, too. He'll be amongst the, the very high-end favorites. Scheffler might get that rub, too. We'll call Scheffler 20 at this tournament. Scott, I don't know if Scott necessarily has the juice yet to break into the 20s. Maybe he's more of a 25 type guy, but Sungjae, Scott are probably the next two on the list. So we'll call Sungjae 25, Scott 25, 
Leishman, 35. Hatton, 33. Fitz, 35. Fleetwood, 45. Casey, yeah, Casey's always overvalued. We'll call him 30. So we're going to get, a, I, I think we'll see a big stack of guys 20 and under with Rom, Rory, Bryson, Vic, and is that Wills? Oh, I didn't even give Willsy a price. Vic, yeah, those, those guys, and Hideki. So those five guys will be 20 and below. Then you'll have Scheffler, probably right around 20. Scott and Scott and M in that 22, 20 to 30 range. Depending on the book, you might catch a 28. You might catch a 22. You might have to catch a 20. Or if one of them ends up getting bet up a lot by the end of the week, one of them's 18, something like that. But I think they'll fall into that mid-tier. Zalatoris will as well. We'll call him 35. So that leaves like Will Zalatoris, Leishman, Hatton, Fitz, Casey in that 28 to 40 range. And then Fleetwood will likely be 45 and above. Then we'll have everyone else in this tournament. You'll see a big, you'll see a litany of players between 45 and 75, depending on the book at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, You might be able to catch some nice early numbers in this mid range while the top end ends up being overvalued. Then you wait for the guys to sink back a little bit and end up taking them. That's the one good thing about Rom being in these tournaments and not winning them is that he is soaking up so much of the equity at the top in terms of the betting market and what their algorithms judge as winning percentage and win equity that we're getting pretty decent numbers on these guys in the second, third, and fourth tier just because of his presence in the field. Like if you have anyone at below 10 to 1 in a golf tournament, you're going to get some better numbers on everyone else. It's just the way that it is. So, uh, God bless John Rom for being in this tournament. Anyway, that's been a lot for me. I hope you had a great week at Honda. I saw some pretty good runners out there. I know a lot of people have Burger. Had a lot of a lot of people have Burger in their lineups. I have Burger as my one and done. I hope that he wins because unless like Woodland can somehow sneak in a top five, I'm pretty much dead in the water. I cut my losses on this tournament very early. But you know, getting back inside the top hundred, inside the top ten of the big thousand dollar with hitting a one and done winner. Never the worst case scenario with Daniel Berger. So hopefully you're able to cash in on all of that. But other than that, playing the Listener's League link, more information as the week goes on. We're almost the Players' Championship, which means it's a super golf week. Uh, the return of probably Tambo and Ben Raza in studio. Rick and I will do our player by player. Obviously, Feinberg will have the live chat. Uh, we have special guests for the research show. It's going to be jam-packed full week for everything for the players championship so if you're new to the golf scene use fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself 20 percent off sub to the newsletter as we're just going to have a ton of information for free in there at all times smash like sub to the channel leave me your favorite sleeper on the way out and i'll see you next time experience experience